0: Hello and welcome to episode number nine of Inglorious Artists, a podcast with me, Peter Holland. Today I'm talking to performance and video artist Emmy, or Eva Marie El, and we're talking about a wide range of things, including her performance art, uh, her touring and sexual identity. Here's my conversation with Emmy, Eva Marie Elj. Good because you are now filling uh, a void in the show because I never had a performance artist before uh, yeah. and not even a video artist and you are a performance artist slash video artist yes isn't it? so the first question let's <laughs> we'll, we'll start off with why why that why performance <laughs> art why video art because it's it's not one of the the common creative endeavors is it
1: no um I'm actually even more surprised than you are, I think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really surprised by this choice. I I started off making films, and uh, I mean, I got into filmmaking from the age of seven. And my auntie, um, who's like a specialist teacher, she helps like, children with special, not special needs, but...
0: Learning she, disabilities, maybe?
1: Yes, but... Yes, I guess that's what it's called, yeah. So she's a teacher with a... Uh, for children with learning uh, disabilities and she was renting a video camera Mm. one summer and she wanted me to be there to help her test it Mm. and so that's where it all started so I was like from an early age into filmmaking and I just carried on um, and I made it into like um, yeah I did some festivals and I was nominated for like New Nordic Voices at the Nude panorama and stuff like that. Really? When? How old that were you? That was like, pff, this was when I was back in London, and it was, it must have been two thousand and six, two thousand and seven, maybe. All right. Up okay. in Ulu. Uh
0: huh. Uh huh.
1: Yeah. Um. So I didn't win. Um, well, it was an honor ride. just to be
0: nominated.
1: <laughs> I know it was an honor, but you know, in this field, it's about winning, and it's about, you know, it's about making a name for yourself. Yeah, I guess. Um, So if you're always a bridesmaid, then you're not really going (laughs) to make Mm -hmm, so much mm -hmm. money in the creative field. Uh, Sadly, um, but I I do have some awards, but not like big ones. Hmm. Um, But I I went to Cannes Film Festival Mm. twice and I was like networking and meeting the industry and I was kind of thinking... I don't want to be here. Like this is not. Uh-huh. My interest- like, yeah. yeah. I've heard
0: that before. Mm. When you when you meet the industry from that side and like the social side and the people you don't really want to know mm. in it, I, I've heard that before. And like this is the reason I back out.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think especially because I was quite young at the time. I was like maybe mid twenties,
0: mm. and
1: I I found myself being, you know, that thing of like. As a f- female filmmaker as well, it was really hard to make, to stand out and to be like, um, to be respected, basically. Mm, mm. Um, I mean, we just had a few f- female filmmakers in that festival that year, and they were still getting the question, maybe they still are getting the question about how how does it feel like to be a female filmmaker? and no, the the aspect of looking at the gender rather than looking at the filmmaking itself.
0: Yeah, and I guess that must be annoying because the question should be, "What's your film about?" or "How's your life as a filmmaker?" Like, period. But I guess, like, if you're a journalist, it's interesting to point out, like, okay, but is this different in any way? Is you know, um, especially if maybe like two two out of a hundred is something else, then that's what they want to focus on, I guess. You know.
1: Yeah. But I also felt because I had some encounters with even like um, people from SFE, and I mean this was like a decade ago, so it's not the same people that are there mm, today. No. Um, and the and I also met people like there, like from at Cannes uh, producers and whatever. And you know, it's like it's a party vibe when you go to film festivals. Mm-hmm. There's wine and there's you know yeah you meet up in festival pubs and bars and there's Mm after parties Mm -hmm. it's Uh, hard
0: for me who doesn't want to drink that much and like here's a free beer and free wine uh no i okay
1: oh yeah yeah Yeah, i don't really mind too much i mean i don't mind drinking too much (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) but uh, as long as i'm in control i'm happy Mm. but in can it's also soft Hot, so it's like you um, need to drink and yeah, I need to yeah. sweat it out so I don't feel like I got drunk too much no. uh, but I n- noticed in festivals there's a massive difference at least 10 years ago um, when I was you know hanging out with these producers and um, film commissioners and mm, yeah. after the um, after having had a few drinks and had a really good chat and you know, you really got on and you clicked, like as professionals.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Then they kind of wanted us to carry on the party because the festival pub closed, and we were gonna go to their hotel rooms and stuff. Mm. And then it's like, okay, after party,
0: ball. yeah. Mm.
1: And uh, in Cannes, it was like, I was there with there were two friends, so I felt you know really safe. But obviously, the guy was still joking about, yeah, we can have a three or whatever. it's. It's not a threesome, it's just three girls. <laughs> a and quadruple guy. way. Whatever. Yeah, I don't even know what that's called. Uh, and I was like, uh, no, we're here professionally. Um, and in, in Gothenburg as well, I, I was hanging out with this one person. And, um, and uh, when they proposed, like, yeah, let's go back to the, my hotel room for mm. another. This is so much fun. We can carry on this conversation. And it was like, what is... Gothenburg Film Festival is in like January,
3: <laughs> isn't mm.
1: it? So it was freezing cold mm. and I was like, well, why not? There is a film commissioner. I need to lick their ass, but not graphically, I hope. <laughs> no, no, not
0: literally, no. Yeah,
1: exactly. So I'm um I'm um, I went there, but I said like, I was, like I'm coming back as a professional. I'm not coming back as anything but, you know, I'm mm. I'm hoping I will carry on the conversation only. Mm. Um but are in the hotel room La 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 there was things going on and suggestions made and even an attempt to like put me down on the bed, I think. And I was like, I just left. Um uh, okay, and I just got yeah. and that's like all of these build-ups where like I'm so fed up with industry and I need to make a detour and I'll come back to the film industry when I have made a bit of a name for myself and I'm older. So I'm not mm-hmm, this prey mm-hmm. or this um I don't know, I don't want to be sexualized in the industry because I can't work in that way. Oh. So that's why I went into performance and video art. Mm. So like to go away from the commercial side of filmmaking mm. and start to go back to my roots and my DIY filmmaking and mm. explore my own voice more.
0: Mm. It's interesting that you touch on this subject because we're recording this now uh, just as the whole Me Too deal is like spreading around the world and uh all local versions of that in different countries come up and stuff like that so what's your view on that whole thing i mean about time i guess but you know yeah and you've (laughs) obviously seen that side
1: yeah i think it's so good to talk about and Mm. to highlight these things because it's been yeah like everyone says it's like it's been a long time coming Mm. and so much brewing and it just imploded now, so mm. hopefully the stores will carry on and will, yeah, will you will find some ways to deal with it, mm. and maybe more courage between filmmakers and co-workers to like step in as well. When you see somebody giving somebody a massage, maybe come and join them and check the atmosphere. Mm. Is one mm. person using their power over the other one, or are they just being super happy and friendly and everything is cool? Yeah, because it's like it is a borderline like. When you study maybe uh, acting, mm. like there are lots of things you do, like exercises to make yourself feel connected. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. Cross borders and taboos and whatever, yeah. Yeah. For yourself.
1: And I was like doing this exercise with my... Because I went to a, um advanced course, like an, a one-year MA, where I studied performing arts and media. Uh, and I was even at point to, one point doing... A, Uh, an exercise with my teacher because we were uneven numbers that day. Mm. So I had to join with my teacher and we had to do this fetus exercise. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So one of us had to be the fetus and the one has to be the the womb. (laughs) I don't know. And it was kind of um, intimate. It was mm -hmm. very intimate. And I'm Mm. not used to being close to people like that coming from a filmmaking background. Mm. Maybe it's different for actors. Mm. But I do find it interesting to explore people in a more intimate way. Yeah, performing arts is like it's it's interesting for me
0: yeah i get that yeah well there's you know in acting there's situations where you have to act like you're intimate with somebody and uh you just have to you know do it but then make sure that everybody's comfortable in that situation as well and, and you can't really do it uh in any hesitating way because then it would won't be real and i guess that's that's different for everybody as well i remember i did a that was an exercise. It was a scene, it was a scene work, and uh, I was acting together with uh, this actress who was supposed to be my girlfriend, and we were, you know, snuggling and blah blah. And uh, my teacher was questioning how how it looked. He was like, "Peter, do you have a girlfriend?" Uh, "Yeah, I do." "Is that how you would touch your girlfriend?" And actually, I I felt like yeah, it it would actually because it felt fine i was like having my hand on her stomach or something like that and she was lying in my lap and i'm like yeah i guess so and he was like okay (laughs) kind of questioning and i was like what what should i fondle her tits what what do you want from me come on we're just three people in a in a room here come on and this is not what the scene is about. It's not a sexual scene. It was about to become an argument, even you know. Oh. So, well, um, but when you were in uh, Cannes, uh, both times were you were, you were twice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, were you there representing your own films?
1: Yes. Well, mainly, mostly myself, because the films I was making at the time, I was making animations with this. Uh, oh. Yeah. Uh, also, another detour my filmmaking. But I was making animations with a, a comic book writer mm. called Ben Carlson.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, I know him. You know him? Yeah. Uh,
1: and so he makes these really homoerotic stories. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> so I, I turned one of his um, comics into like a digital animation, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. pretty much like cut and paste from the digital images and uh, making them move. Mm. And then we did a sequel um, that was an original story. Um, and we used more like the paper and animation mm. method. Mm. So we had cutouts and we did like, um, like a paper uh, theater thing. So we kind of oh, acted yeah, yeah. with the paper dolls. Oh, sure, sure. Mm. So it was very basic. but um, Like it's South Park
0: looking kind of stuff. <laughs> even, even
1: worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean in a good way because we were inspired by old time Eastern European and Russian mm, like... Mm-hmm animations, so we were happy.
0: Which can be amazing looking. So Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, I don't think we hit those notes, but yeah. we did something. And it's actually the only thing I've ever gotten funding for. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was pretty happy. Mm. <laughs>
0: um, Do you think you got funding partly because it's such an unusual idea that you could break through the uh, like the noise, static noise?
1: Maybe, and I mean, it's still, it has shown quite a lot mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Taipei, in Gothenburg, in uh, I mean, Colbin is still showing it, and it was shown in Helsinki recently as well, mm-hmm. I think.
0: At festivals?
1: Yeah, like okay. in gallery settings and ah, different okay. kinds. Yeah. yeah, so it has a life still. Actually, maybe it wasn't Helsinki, maybe it was OMPO, the Moment mm-hmm. uh, Art Festival. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think it was actually in Japan as it was showing in Finland. So ah, okay. I wasn't even there to see it. Um, so busy, so... I know, oh my so god. So global. The life of a performance artist. Jet setter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, okay, so it's uh, been shown in exhibitions, so it's considered art as well as a film. So already when you were doing filmmaking, it was art. Yeah. So, and you know, yeah. Of course, a film is an art form, but you know, you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, I mean, I started off kind of trying to make commercial films, mm. and I made three fictional films in uh, in uh, London and the first one and second one I was so like you know it was just a, it was in 2004 and 6 hmm. and it was just the beginning of like the commercial digital uh, cameras that were really good mm-hmm. coming out and so everyone was like pushing me to go into digital but I was like no I'm gonna go old school. It's my first ever <laughs> film out of Sweden. I'm gonna make it on 16 millimeter. Oh, yeah, and that's so why. Nice. And I, I self-funded this whole bullshit. I mean, <laughs> mm. I'm really proud of this project because I, I learned so much. Mm. Um, but it costs so much money.
0: Of course, yeah. I gotta develop the film. I gotta buy the film and everything.
1: Yeah, and you have to have a cinematographer to do the to know the camera as well. Yeah, of
0: course. And Not because many I didn't know,
1: do yeah.
0: that today, you know.
1: No, exactly. So, but I had some good friends that went to film London Film School. Mm-hmm. So that was like my—I was kind of, um, kind of sneaking my way into the film school mm-hmm. without paying the the fee. <laughs> but I was there helping out on all their film shoots. So okay. I was part of the team, mm-hmm. but I didn't go to the school. Okay, you so made then-
0: yourself uh, invaluable.
1: Oh. I, not invaluable maybe, but I was one of the team and they got to know me mm. and then by the time I was making my films, I I could get the people, the crew from the crews I've been working yeah, yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. So it was a really clever plan and I don't have any student loans because I didn't go to an expensive film school. Mm. So mm. instead, I put money towards making these, you know, pretentious 16 millimeter films. Mm. Um, but, you know... Um, they were kind of. I was trying to make commercial films, but when I look back at them now, I think they were really already borderlining on the video art, mm-hmm. or more like experimental films at least. But I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be like, "Oh, that was my best era of my creative life." Mm-hmm.
0: No. Hopefully, that's always in front of you.
1: Yeah. Exactly. I think that's a good thing to have it to look ahead mm. and to yeah, like. Yeah not trying to like mimic something you've already done, but to actually keep exploring and finding new things that excites Mm. you. And
0: Mm.
1: yeah, try to top yourself every time.
0: Mm. Right. So So how are you trying to top yourself now?
1: Well, um, now when I've gone into performing arts, uh, I think I'm challenging myself daily Mm. by doing that. Um, I mean, I've, because I went to this school, um, this Performing Arts and Media uh, MA mm. I did. Um, it really pushed me out of my comfort zone. Mm. And I was really happy to be behind the camera and tell others stories. Yeah, yeah. And be like, I'm happy. I'm in a safe spot behind the camera. And I was like, why do I feel like I should put somebody else in front of the camera? Like, why, what gives me the right to tell uh. about... Because I, w- I wanted to tell about like really deep and heavy topics as well mm-hmm. and have other people tell about their deep and heavy topics. Sure. And then I felt like, why shouldn't I be the first person to talk about myself mm. um, and then maybe move into that kind of project later on?
0: Okay, so you create the, the right to put other people in front of the camera by putting yourself in front of the camera first. Like, look, I did it, so now
1: it's... <laughs> oh. Well, it depends on the project, I guess.
0: Well, the, it must be about something that hits you as a person, I, I guess. And But mm-hmm. I, I suppose most of your projects are about something that are about you as well. Your own issues and stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I started off making a film. It was meant to be a self-portrait. And it was inspired by New York, actually. Mm. Because when I went to New York... I noticed all these like fortune tellers
0: mm-hmm. places
1: everywhere in each corner. It's like, wow, there's so many fortune tellers in New York.
0: Really? I didn't realize that. Yeah, I okay. don't know
1: if it has to do with like any sort of gang activity or like money laundering or something. Yeah, maybe. Because it's like they don't have to produce anything. Was They're it just...
0: like in a specific, was it in Brooklyn or something?
1: <laughs> it was all over Manhattan. All and over Brooklyn. Manhattan? Okay. Yeah, yeah sounds okay. like. Maybe I was just looking for them. I don't know. Maybe it was a sign. I sure, but if to they were
0: them. on every corner, they're, <laughs> st- they're still there. Yeah, yeah right. Mm.
1: So I was I was taken aback by that, and I wanted to make a project where uh, people like fortune tellers and also like astrologists and dream interpreters and anyone who can tell me something about myself will tell the story of me. So it was like a semi-documentary where I'm, I am the main subject, but the story of me is being told through my stars and my mm, palm mm-hmm. and my cards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So okay. yeah, so it's like, and it's a it's a way of like looking at norms of what they expect of me as mm. a woman. Um, what do they? Where do they think I'm from? If I went to see, I went to see people in Essex, and they were like, "Yeah, are you from uh, maybe?" like they were going to like maybe somewhere in Europe but they weren't sure if it was like mm. Holland or where I was from sure keeping it open <laughs> so like it was interesting to see how they what they expected of me mm. and um yeah how they would like also read my sexuality and my you know my preference when it comes to that and mm. they're like yeah you have a man in your life or or a woman Mm. Like, were, like tiptoeing around the subject and I was like, yeah, just give me more. It's, uh, it's really interesting mm. to hear people read you in that way. <laughs> so that was... Uh, <laughs> and they
0: didn't really get, get anything from you when they tried to read you? I tried to. There's not a man, to. woman, thing,
1: what? <laughs> just a creature.
0: <laughs> and you are like, none of the above.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah, because I was single at the time, like a notorious single. Mm. Um. So I was, uh, yeah... I wanted to like also see what would come out of this project what would I learn about myself but what was the question about how did I go into this hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah me as an object yeah, as a yeah, subject. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that was the first film I made about myself hmm. and it's called me a mm-hmm. video selfie uh, so it is and I did it as um as an ironic That's clever isn't it oh what
0: Uh, The title, I mean, because it's about you, so it's me and Emmy, and your name is Emmy, so hey,
1: (laughs) you got it (laughs) nice, yeah. It's, um, I think it's how you also pronounce it if you say me, um, some people say me, and I'm like, it's a hyphen in between. (laughs) Oh, yeah, okay, you're hyphenated, okay, Mm. you could have done dots as well, I suppose. I could have done, but I'll. Because my my real name is Eva Marie, mm. so I have a hyphen in there. So I wanted to put a hyphen in the title as well, mm, because mm-hmm. it is a self-portrait in a way. Anyway, mm. anyway uh, so what I wanted to explore with this project was not just myself. I wanted to make it like an ironic idea of our of our contemporary time mm-hmm. of the you know the individualist time where we like dwell into our own character and we are so self-centered and uh, uh what's the word behoove?
0: oh a need for uh, okay. Valid- validation <laughs> yeah exactly a need for validation i guess yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. like affirmations or something mm. and likes on facebook and uh, the whole thing so then i um, i started exploring that um, and i just kind of got stuck on myself as a subject, which. Mm. It's also like such a narcissistic thing to happen. <laughs> uh,
0: sure, but it's also an artistic thing. So if you're a performance artist, that makes sense.
1: You know? Yeah. Yes, because then I went in t- I went back to school here in Sweden because I felt like I've been living in London for a decade. I was meant to be there for 13 weeks, mm-hmm. and I stayed for 10 years. Okay. So That's I was like, <laughs> okay, I spent my entire 20s in London. I have to get a grip. Swedish politics is going to bits. I have to go back and save the nation mm. or mm. evolve the nation or I don't know, dissolve okay. <laughs> the nation. I don't know. Um, so I went back in 2013 to study. And I went back to study feminist studies uh, with um, uh, Feminist Studies Film Activism, mm-hmm. it was called. And it was at this uh, feminist folk college. Mm. So it's like, yeah like low low education college (laughs) yeah Um,
0: and a very narrow course (laughs) yeah but it was like super good for me yeah
1: Yeah. just like to learn about feminism more and to learn about intersectional feminism and the whole idea of posthumanism, which i'm now super into and i use in my art all the time um basically so it was like my, my way back to sweden was through education and to be to go back to my roots as a film activist mm-hmm, and, like, mm-hmm. make films that actually mattered, not just to win in can because mm. I wasn't really interested in winning. No, I'm not interested in going into the commercial side.
0: But you were interested in saving <laughs> your your own country from political <laughs> hell.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's like the white-savior uh, complex, isn't it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I felt like I can't be in London anymore. I have to go back and at least do something to contribute to, like, a positive vibe because Mm, we're going into such a negative atmosphere.
0: Some people will probably say that's very, uh, like, hubristic or, uh, like, uh, you being full of yourself or whatever. But if everybody thought like that, then we would have change. So, you know, every step of the way, you know.
1: Yeah, you got to be the change you want to see.
0: Yeah, exactly. And every drop in the ocean, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's up to something. Yeah. Mm.
1: So... Yeah, I wanted to go back to be part of the positive change. Mm. And I got stuck in the school system. I I, I was only going to be in school for one year, I thought. But then I was like, oh, <laughs> You were there for it... 10 years. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> for 10 years. It's actually been four years now of studying. Mm. And uh, so the master I keep referring to, um, the degree is in performing arts and media, but it was actually called Black Mirrors, Practical Artistic Self-Reflection. Mm. So it was all about reflecting in others and reflecting yourself to yourself, like mm-hmm. exposing things you don't want to expose about yourself. Oh, okay. Yeah. So to go into performing arts was like, it was almost a necessity to, not to pass the course, because not everyone had to be a performance artist, mm. but it just, it made so much sense to use myself as a subject and to put myself on the stage mm-hmm. because they had to be exposed in the end, like, um, through an ex- exposition, mm-hmm. whereas, it's like, it's like an art term where you it, you talk about your work and you present your work in a sort of gallery setting. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's not just a film screening, even though it can be, but you kind of have to defend it somehow. Mm. So the easiest thing for me to do then was, like, I'm going to put myself on the stage in front of a video work. So I'm going to be an yeah. extension of the video work.
0: yeah. yeah you combining so, your two uh, disciplines. Yeah. Mm.
1: So that's how I like okay, now I'm actually going to call myself a performance artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. By making a film and then you're showing it and performing something in conjunction with it. Yeah. So exactly. that's basically what you do. Yeah. And uh so tell me about wh- what you're doing now. You've been to a couple of places you mentioned you were uh, went to Japan.
1: Yeah, I went to an art residency in Japan, um uh-huh. in Tokyo. How did that work?
0: How did you get the idea? Did somebody invite you? Uh, what, what happened? How do you get to Japan with your performance art project?
1: It was I was really lucky. Here's another privilege I have, which is that my brother lives in, in Japan.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He lives up in Hokkaido for one year, mm-hmm. up in the mountains. And um, they wanted me to come over to visit them and hang out with my niece and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and because I'm her godmother then i was like i'm i have to come to tokyo and like to japan and Mm. see them Mm. so and they said well if you want you can have a a week in tokyo to yourself if you want before traveling up here as well Mm -hmm. and i said oh yes Mm -hmm. so i reached out to my contacts that i have in tokyo and um, there was one person called hiroshi who I know from London years back. I, uh-huh. I haven't had contact with Hiroshi for so many years, but we used to be like we used to be like dance partners, mm-hmm. even though I mean in clubs, it's nothing professional. Oh, okay. Yeah. But we never really spoke. I think I don't think we spoke at all. Okay. <laughs> And this was like a friendship that is really profound <laughs> hmm. but we just danced and especially to kate bush like it was like <laughs> okay. it was this. <laughs> did
0: of, you hold the did you do the whole uh withering heights oh routine my God, or what? <laughs> yeah
1: because hiroshi is a dancer Ah, <laughs> uh, okay and like a model mm-hmm. and really strong so yeah i would be lifted and i would be like thrown around like a leaf and i would love it and i would always fall and it would be hilarious and mm-hmm. yeah it was a good night um and this was like every Tuesday for maybe at least one year. Okay. So yeah, so mm. we have like a profound friendship, which mm. is kind of strange. Um, and Hiroshi was going to release like a, a new album or something. Okay, so musician me- too. Yeah, exactly. And I, uh, so we said, let's make an event together in mm-hmm. Tokyo.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's what we did. And I even got to stay there. Like to live um, and it was really nice, so and now we actually, for the first time, got to talk to each other, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we find out that we're both into the same things, like we t- we think about the same <laughs> topics, we mm. talk about gender, we talk about sexuality, and we talk about um yeah, I mean, it's just it's interesting how we are connected, yeah, yeah. It's like a really weird connection we have.
0: Yeah, you don't really have an explanation for that, do you? It's just no. It's just wasn't.
1: something about energies and something about mm, the universe. Mm, <laughs> mm. Maybe we don't know yet what it is. Maybe
0: there was like subtle cues about how you both dressed or something, and uh, the your, the vibe you you had yeah. in some ways, like, hey, I get you.
1: Yeah. yeah, maybe it's also Kate Bush. We have
0: to. Yeah, say. sure. Yeah, that probably you know, <laughs> means something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But uh, okay, so how? Uh, how did that go? How was the 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 performance received?
1: Um, it was it was. Uh, I mean, this was like a really intimate setting. I think the club we did it in could only hold like twenty people, mm. so we had like a really small audience each time. And because I am, I'm not uh, I'm not naked, but I'm nude in some way. Like mm. in, I wear kind of see through plastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and. Um, and i uh, because
0: you're supposed to be like a cyborg
1: yes like a sex doll cyborg Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. so i really wanted to try the concept in japan because to me japan is like that's my idea of japan mm-hmm. like the whole robotic industry mm. and the sex doll fetish as mm. well like the they're so interesting in so many different ways
0: mm. and the artificial uh plasticky yeah feeling of it sometimes yeah
1: exactly so mm. i was um I wanted to try it and I wasn't sure about how the, because it is a little, it has like sexual undertones and some very explicit parts as well, but not with me personally, but more more with objects that I have, Uh Uh, like I have a strap on, for Mm -hmm. instance, Mm. so, um, and I wasn't sure because in some cultures, like that could be seen as very taboo, Mm. I'm not sure, Mm. like crazy provocative, Mm. But I think the Japanese culture and the Swedish are fairly similar in how we are open and accepting and kind of, we like a bit of fetish stuff. Mm -hmm. Like it's kind of, it gets us going, but we're also very private. Yeah. And I guess a performance artist is like someone who bridges those two things. Yeah. Someone who's like fucks up the private Mm. aspect and just is public with it.
0: I believe that's the reason for both us and Japan that because we are kind of closed off and rigid in our society then things got to explode out and the things that do are maybe weird art or sexual deviations or whatever you might call it you know uh weirdness but it, because it but it is kind of weird like because you have all these you know perceptions about Japan being like very don't do this. Don't do that. And it's you, you can't even you know throw a cigarette butt on the the ground before somebody's going to tell you about it. You know, um, but also it, the most insane things happens there. You know, we're not really there yet, but uh, I think we're like a light version. But I, I've also seen uh, like connections between our cultures. I, I have, and I've heard other people uh, say that as well. Yeah, so it's interesting.
1: You know that film, The Swedish Theory of Love. That was like, it. Came out maybe this year or last year.
0: Like oh, okay. I yeah, I think I heard about it vaguely. Yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't very. It was kind of popular, but um, some people were like very critical of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it, one thing that was interesting in that film to me definitely was the fact that they were comparing how um, how we are like individual individuals looking for love and how Sweden and Japan are on the very top of the scale mm-hmm. like we are very similar in that sense mm-hmm. that we live so independently and yeah. um, Whereas other cultures are like, you know, they have big houses for the whole family and the relatives mm. and they seek love and they never divorce. Mm. And we are like mm. very selfish and very, very many aspects.
0: Yeah. And ne- never start relationships either mm. because we don't really jump into things willy nilly <laughs> like that. Yeah, um, mm.
1: I think the Stockholm dating is like you date for at least three months before you can even consider talking about a relationship.
0: Mm, and we, we have a lot of single households in Sweden. And in Japan, is there's a, like a problem that people are not even having sex and kids anymore. Yeah, exactly. So, mm. uh, for good or bad,
2: I guess. Yeah, <laughs> you exactly.
1: Know? Yeah, but that's, yeah, that's another thing why I wanted to go to Japan, because my my topic is about asexuality. Yeah. And that is a big part of the Japanese culture, mm. mainly from um, the, I mean, mostly from the the whole idea of the, um, oh, I don't want to be too academic here, but um, there's, there's a text by Sarah Ahmed. Uh, she's from uh, London and she writes about how um, the West has this idea about the Orient and mm-hmm, we kind mm-hmm. of exotifies and ex- sexualize and fetishize the East mm. and the Orient mm. um, and um, and she talks about how does it feel, like wh- what does it mean to be directed or to be oriented towards something and that's something that I really picked up in my work, um, that's why I call my performance art um, work, I call it sexual disorientation mm. because there is no orientation, mm. the which it also is part of the, the individualist idea of, like, my house, my body is my house, my casa. Oh, my, yeah, 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 And I'm okay on my own. Mm. So it's like, there's a, it's a bridge that I really want to explore further. Um, But yeah, mm. um, basically, and the idea... I was going to say the fact that we kind of have this idea of Asian, especially men, to be very asexual. Mm. But when I spoke to some asexuals in Japan and And even some sexual people in Japan mm. they could totally like that was like a massive prejudice or like it was a massive like i this, uh,
0: misunderstanding
1: yeah uh, misunderstanding of the Asian culture uh-huh yeah.
0: okay in in what way i mean the, the people who were branded as asexual weren't or they were
1: they it's a very small uh, community of asexuals uh-huh. in Tokyo in japan um And there's a really big uh, sexual, um, you know, climate. Mm. So, and there's the love hotels, you know. Mm -hmm. So the sexuality is very much in your face, even though it's very kind of under the surface. Yeah, so it's like it's both in a weird way. Yeah,
0: and then you you know you can be on the subway reading pornographic comic books and nobody you know bats an eye because you know you're not supposed to notice anybody else on the subway. <laughs> uh.
1: Yeah, and I was exploring um, exploring the the sexual climate by going on Tinder as well mm. in Japan, mm-hmm. and I got so many proposals like sexual invitations, obviously because it's Tinder, mm. but just to like just to prove the idea wrong that. I, but obviously asexuality is kind of uh, asexuality is kind of connected to um to the idea of japanese culture mm. and i kind of wanted to explore yeah. that further yeah. and break down any sort of misunderstandings
0: mm that's yeah. a gender inequality i never got any sexual suggestions on tinder what but, no. You gotta Being a guy. click <laughs>
1: on the men as well. Maybe maybe yeah, it's a gender. Exactly.
0: The, the things are gonna happen. mm mm-hmm. <laughs> the, yeah. the dick pics will roll. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: Oh my god, get ready for it. <laughs> no, I never actually gotten a single dick pic. Oh, okay. Yeah, I feel a bit um
0: But it was the only in Japan you did
1: this? No, I, I do I do Tinder everywhere. Okay. I okay. find it mm-hmm. so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not looking for anything, but I'm just like I'm just checking the culture.
0: Yeah, I, I consider it as like a social experiment as well, mm. because I already know it's not really for me. But you, know, you meet interesting people.
1: Yeah, I yeah. made so many good friends through Tinder. Yeah, yeah, I <laughs> guess
0: so yeah. Mm. So
1: um, I think we can claim it to whatever we want it to be. Mm. Networking, maybe as well. Mm, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? You never
0: know what it leads to. Yeah. Oh
1: my god, I did actually meet. Um, I was I was in competition at Uppsala Short Film Festival, oh, okay. and I met the jury member on Tinder. i was like oh my god have you already decided on the vote because um yeah (laughs) it was decided so it was okay (laughs) but Mm. i thought it was funny
0: yeah oh that's weird (laughs) about who who you can find on tinder sometimes i've found people like i used to date like okay they're good for them or uh somebody i thought was in a relationship oh did they break up (laughs) and then you check and like no i don't think so but I found them on Tinder.
1: Exactly. Oh, what's oh. going on? You know. Yeah. then should I tell the other partner? Yeah. yeah oh, no. my God.
0: No, not my business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You never know why either, you know? Yeah. Because sometimes you can go through Tinder and you can see people being very open about, well, I'm not monogamous. I'm about, uh, you know, uh, having open relationships and whatever. And, I, and I'm in one right now. So that's what I'm doing here. So I'm, okay. Gotcha. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Exactly. Maybe so, it's good for casting directors as well, actually, to find like we need people in this <laughs> in this area. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, like for extras or even sure. for actors. Who sure, but um,
0: it wouldn't be great because usually the let's say headshots on Tinder are usually not representative of how people look, which is one of a pet peeve of mine. That's true. Like you, this is the best picture you could find. I, I can barely see your eyes and your nostrils because it's so heavy lighting. So it's, <laughs> you just want to look like a cartoon character, and it's taken from above, and you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, well. The true face of Tinder.
0: It's <laughs> <is> no face. <phase. laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and you, of course, you work uh, with these kind of uh, topics uh, because uh, it's a bit about you, just what we were talking about before. like you. And I think it's c- common for performance artists to make themselves into the piece of art. Is yeah. that what you say that you do? Yeah. And you consider yourself to be asexual as well.
1: Yeah, I'm in the field of demisexuality, which is like something even more unheard of. But yes, because
0: I never heard of it. <laughs> Please do tell.
1: <laughs> I just, yeah. Side note, but I just find it so funny that I, I, exp- I find out that I'm demi after my Instagram is called semi Emmy, and mm-hmm. semi is apparently somebody who's got like a semi erection. Yeah, sure. sure, sure. And uh, I didn't uh, know that when I.
0: Yeah, as a semi erection. Uh, well, that's uh, I think it's a British, uh, specifically British uh, expression. I got a semi. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Which I never heard of. But yeah. <laughs> it is quite interesting in terms of the asexual side as well that I'm, I'm now demi, semi emmy on Instagram. <laughs> well I'm semi emmy on Instagram, but I'm actually also demi. It kinda of is related, I think. Mm. Um,
0: but what is demisexual then?
1: Demisexual that means when um you don't get sexually like attracted to mm. anyone unless you have a really strong bond like if you have a really strong like romantic or friendly bond mm. then it can mm. evolve into something else um so uh, it's a, it's a very hard thing to to <laughs> it's a very hard sexuality to have when you're dating um because you can be seen as just a very moralistic person mm. who's like very traditional and you don't want to sleep on the first date. Mm, sure. You know, that kind of thing. Sure. It was like, oh, I take time. Um But, like, it can also be a very invisible sexuality because once you're in a, in a strong friendship or relationship, mm. then the sex isn't a, an issue. Mm. Uh, for me, anyway, at least at this point in my life, it might be more fluid in other parts of my life who mm. knows mm. but um this is what what I've have been sort of presented with as like being suggested to me saying Amy maybe you are like a demisexual yeah I'm like oh really what's that mm. and- <laughs> like, okay good to know what more. it is
0: before yeah
1: and then um so I was I was interested in mm. the topic and I started making this documentary called mm. Ace of babes mm. um and this is where I go around and I meet people who identify as asexual. So in, in this meeting of these people, I realized I can finally, like these thoughts that I've always had mm. could actually resonate in these people. Mm. So it was a really th- big breakthrough for me to like to land and be comfortable in my own sexuality. And just it's not the fact that I have a sexual identity because I don't really care so much, but just the fact that I am to understand that I am... Not abnormal, mm. which I've always thought. You yeah, know? because I didn't want to be the person who, you know, in the feminist sex positive scene, where it's like you go out and you bang and you pull and you, you should, you should want to want this. You know, mm. Mm. I'm like I don't want this. Yeah, I, <laughs> I get, don't even I want guess, to want that.
0: Okay, so I guess having um, a label can be helpful in that way. So you don't feel abnormal because there is a label, so I'm one of these things. I'm I'm this. You know. Yeah, exactly.
1: Mm. It helps. Um so yeah. So it's been a, a good learning curve of like using my own person as a subject. Yeah. And then to like also it's like such an untouched subject mm. that I think it's really interesting to make art of it.
0: Of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know many people who are asexual, or and you know, I didn't know anybody I thought who were demi because I d- had never heard of it, you know. Um, uh, I am, <laughs> and uh, I, th- I th- believe I know somebody who are like uh, just uh, panromantic, or uh, which I guess is like you—you you have romantic feelings but mm. not sexual feelings. Mm. Do you and, know somebody w- like that? Yes. I do. What? And um, that's
1: interesting. they are asexual then unless they're also sexual
0: exactly well yeah but i guess i guess there can be asexual people who don't have romantic feelings either yes
1: then you're aromantic
0: aromantic yeah
1: i'm super romantic so it's really hard to juggle Mm. i've always had an issue with being the tease because i'm always like like i'm luring people in to my Uh net uh like uh oh let's do this oh let's hug and let's kiss and then i'm like I want to say no now, and it's like it's so hard. And they're like, but I'm
0: rocking a semi.
1: (laughs) Exactly, and I'm like, well, I have a semi too, but in the opposite. Like mine, mine's half empty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, oh,
0: okay, yeah. Well, that would should fit. (laughs) Uh, Cancel each other out or something. Uh, But but I find this okay. This may not be, you know, the more most creative. topic whatever but it's what you do creative things about so i i find it interesting to talk about anyway yeah. um because <laughs> uh, it's a it's a learning curve for me too yeah. um and for the listeners i'm sure i'm as well. sure exactly so th- this demisexuality like because i can't really picture i mean usually i try to understand everything and i can usually understand all kinds of ways of feeling and thinking. Just when if you get it described for you, you can you know empathize with it and like, oh, I get that. Um, but I think I find it a little bit difficult actually to ha- why since since sex and sexuality is so physical, and you don't have that until you get really close and romantic with somebody. How So is is it like a switch just get turned on and all of a sudden their body is attractive and, you you know, um, sexual to you?
1: Well, hmm. there was one switch and that was going from looking at somebody in a friendly way to switching on to being like a romantic Hmm. look at them, like a romantic gaze where I'm like... Whoa, actually now I see something I didn't see before. Mm, mm. Sounds like a Disney song. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it <does actually laughs> it. It's
1: a song Beauty and the Beast, isn't mm,
2: it? Mm. Oh yeah.
1: Anyway, mm. um Yes. And then uh So then I got my, my pulling game on okay. after <laughs> the switch was turned on. I'm like, okay, I have romantic feelings towards somebody. Finally, and I think it might be What's the word when it's like in return? It might reciprocal. Yeah, reciprocal. Yes. So once the romantic attraction was there, mm. it's like, whoa, okay, now I'm in the pulling game again. Mm. Ooh. Mm. And I totally pulled that night, but it was a hard, um, it was like a gradual. The intimacy was, was very gradual for me. Mm. Like, just to how I, I was like, first, it was just a face, all about the face mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. holding hands. Like, then it was like, okay, like, it took me weeks before I could even picture something else of the, like, we even want to acknowledge the rest of the body. So, that might have been hard. I don't know for my partner. <laughs> but, um, I think it no was good for both intended. of us. Huh? No pun intended. <laughs> I didn't even see that coming. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Again, no pun intended.
1: <laughs> exactly. It's a really hard topic to like mm. um, to not say something sexual about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm the master of puns in a way, but you, <laughs> you beat me today. Crazy. Some people say that. I just they... notice them.
0: <laughs> notice, point, and laugh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they do actually say that asexuals have... Instead of the sexual gene, we have the pun gene. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if it's true, but maybe in my case it is. Mm. Okay. Um. So, yeah. So, it's a bit ironic, the whole thing. But, yeah, I'm, in my work, I just try to break all the taboos of, like, all oh, the prejudice against asexuals. And uh, I guess one of the things we always get is, like, always questions we always get is, like, do you do you masturbate? And it's like, well, yes. So, in my work, um, I wanted to explore myself as a constructed being, mm-hmm. like a like mm-hmm. a cyborg, mm-hmm. because also I have this uh, Crip experience, having had scoliosis surgery. Mm-hmm. So I have been straightened, literally. <laughs> literally, yeah. <laughs> yes, I have been reinforced and straightened, um, and. So um, this cyborg is very close to me, like mm-hmm. to my identity, mm-hmm. um, and I mean we all are because we are all we are not natural in any way. We are all we all have been vaccinated, mm-hmm. and we've been antibiotics, mm-hmm. and we have piercings, and we have I have contact lenses. You I mean have we have braces. altered
0: our biology in some way? All of us, yeah, yeah. technically, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely, mm-hmm. all of us. So. Um, and that's how the post humanism aspect in my work is like connected as well. Mm, sure. To see how we are like post humans. We're not just human anymore, even though we kind of claim to be.
0: Yeah, well, whatever that is, you, I guess you have to define it from time to time, you know? Yeah. So it depends on what you mean with being human.
1: Yeah. Um, so that's the. Um,
0: how bad was your scoliosis for having surgery? It was
1: pretty bad. I didn't even have. Um, Uh, The corset era, Mm -hmm. you know, you meant to have the corset for like 23 hours a day for six months. Um, 23 hours? And for me, they just skipped that part. They're like, oh my God, straight to surgery. Mm -hmm. Like, okay. Okay.
0: Because I have scoliosis. You uh, have? Yeah. But I never had any talks about doing that shit. But I got out of the military because of it. So, hey, you know. That's when I found uh, found out, actually. When I went to uh, try out for the military and uh, the doctor (laughs) was like, okay, bend over. Mm, no, okay, you can't do this. Wow. Why? Because you have scoliosis, so you can't march around for uh, miles and hours a day. Oh, my God. Really? I had no idea. Yeah. So, mm, so I, I'm a little bit curvy and, uh, and a bit twisted as well. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, not mentally, but yes, that too.
1: I'm sure it's related. <laughs> yeah, it is, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. But how... Didn't you get that examination done in school?
0: No. Well, I guess, I guess but nobody said or... Uh, not uh, after... The military thing that's when i s- could say that to doctors like yeah well yeah i have a sclerosis thing oh let me see yeah I, yeah you do you, okay. you you lean a bit over there and and uh, it took let's see probably like 15 years before somebody actually told me that my spine was uh, was twisted because uh i guess nobody really uh, some people don't really know how to check for these things because mm-hmm. i was um I went to, like, massages and stuff, and they, they're supposed to know about the body, and, the, and they said, like, yeah, yeah your, your muscle on the one side is a much, much bigger than the other, other, so it's probably because your body's compensating for your scoliosis. And then I found out when I went to somebody who actually really know what they are talking about, like, no, it's not bigger, it's just that it's pushed up by your spine on that side.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Oh, I see. <laughs> you
1: know. Whoa. Interesting
0: well we're getting off off topic (laughs) i know but
1: it's really interesting for me
0: (laughs) so do do you have like a a bit of a rod between a couple of uh, vertebrae or what
1: Uh, i think i have three rods okay and they go like along my spine Mm. so i really can't like bend for like a 30 centimeter
0: oh wow
1: yeah that's a length
0: of your spine you can't bend yeah exactly and that's a That's a foot. That's a lot. Yeah. Do you really, Um, do you know, do you feel like you're hindered in your day to day life because of that? No, not really. All right. No. I do yoga and shit. That would be.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I do. I try to do it as well. I'm really inflexible, Mm. actually. Mm. Um, But I'm, yeah, it's okay. It doesn't hinder me and I'm not in pain. So it was an experience that actually made me both physically and I guess mentally stronger. Mm. So I'm, mm. I'm happy. Um, but yeah, I tend to use the alloy in my, in my recent work mm-hmm. as an experience. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know how I got into the scoliosis thing.
0: What? Well, we were talking about you by being a cyborg and your uh, your um, uh, your performance. Yeah. So w- w- so was that part of it? Like, because you had the surgery and you do have metal parts in your body, you're like, hey, I can use that thing. Maybe I can be a sexual yeah. cyborg
1: thing. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know what it was? Um Because of the scoliosis, I already had a connection to the cyborg. Mm -hmm. So I felt like, okay, how can I push the cyborg idea further? Mm -hmm. And then this is now, got to to the point finally. Uh, This is how it's related to the individualism era, Mm -hmm. uh, where um, the cyborg is not allowed to be selfish. Because a cyborg is created, okay. Now maybe for more like robotics. Is, yeah. Actually, uh, yeah, more yeah. like like a robot is designed to be an assistant to mm. humans, for mm. instance. And that's how my sex doll comes in. Kind more the,
0: like an android. Yeah, exactly. A Blade yeah. Runner, Blade Runner kind of thing. Replica. Hmm. Yeah. At,
1: yeah. And uh, because I'm really interested with like the whole feminist idea of like how you're being constructed as a person and you're being performed as well. You know, you, you can see this new the latest citizen of uh, uh, Saudi Arabia, Mm. the the android called Sophia.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 I heard about that.
1: Yeah, she got citizenship in Uh, Saudi Arabia. mm. Um, And basically, yeah. So anything created technically is like meant to assist in some way, assist humans. Mm. And I was very inspired by Westworld, Mm-hmm. The TV series yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. where you have like the slaves and the humans mm. um and I mean the robotic slaves. Mm. And um I felt like for to me as a as a cyborg, how can I push myself um to become this selfish cyborg, mm-hmm, like this individualist mm-hmm. cyborg? Mm-hmm. Um self aware and everything. Yeah. And I did a, a thing in for this course again that I did, the MA, uh where I was playing two roles of myself and one was like the happy, bubbly, unfiltered Emmy mm-hmm. and the other one was the M mm-hmm. E. Uh the no the E me two point zero, I think I was called. Oh, okay. <laughs> so um the E is much more uh, controlled and um like knowledgeable, like, it's never, it's always 100% sure about everything he says, uh-huh. because he has, like, um, all this knowledge. Yeah. So, it was, like, my, my, and my best advisor inside of me mm. was trying to, like, come through. Hmm. Um, And what happened during that take was that I started crying when I was the e-me person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... And I thought that's not allowed for a cyborg to cry, like to Mm. become emotional. Mm. Not in, um, yeah, I thought I was like very emotional and uh, like emotions aren't really effective in today's society.
0: No, 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 exactly. They're they're just in the way Mm -hmm. to be, uh, for being effective.
1: Yeah. So I thought that was interesting to cry. But I took the crying further and I made it into like a... A dripping phallus that I had in this strap on. Mm-hmm. So, like, an, a frozen phallus is what I wear on at, at the performance. And then, uh, because I talk about like, is, is sexuality freezable, as um just as a thought, because my mother passed away, and I thought maybe it's connected to my that I'm not sexually attracted to anyone because I am going through, like, emotional pain.
2: Mm, Sure. Could
1: that be a reason? But then I'm Mm. like, no, probably not, really. Um, But I'm contemplating this in my performance. Mm. And so I wanted to have, like, a frozen phallus that's dripping Mm. instead of me crying. And I end up... Basically wanking with this. not not me. Like I'm not putting it inside of me, but I'm kind of using it as a as a phallus. Yeah, yeah like and uh, then I I set it on fire. Like I have a little wick inside of it, so I'm like, mm-hmm. yay! I came. I I was I got hot basically. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's yeah. what I was trying to symbolize. Mm. Um, because I thought a wanking cyborg that is very interesting, or mm-hmm. like an android wanking. Yeah, like.
0: Like, it needs to pleasure itself. It's, yeah. yeah.
1: Why would they do to, that? Like, yeah, why, why, yeah, yeah. why would the humans get out of it? Mm,
0: mm. So. Yeah. That made me think of um, uh, what I came to realize earlier this year. We, we're going all the way back to the first episode of this podcast, actually, when I mentioned it the first time. Um, and it's interesting that you you mention uh, robotics and stuff and uh, artificial intelligence. It's like... Uh, they don't have emotions, so, usually, so everything um, they do is just because they're programmed to do something. But we as humans don't really do that, because I realized that emotions is everything we have. We don't do anything if we don't have emotions, because they motivate everything we do. So the, that's what I I came to realize that us as actors, we're in the uh, business of emotions, and that's important uh, to help people explore their own emo- emotions and provoke emotions and stuff like that. And you know, um,
1: yeah, and I have a thought about that actually. Okay, go ahead, if oh, that's okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because the the cyborg in itself, or like the android, is and the computer as well. All of these things are seen as female. Uh huh. Like there's like a feminine touch to it, and like people are referring to it as like a feminine product, Mm, quite usually. mm, mm. Um, And in terms of emotions, the the female body is much more inclined to be like raised to be more like an emotional being, whereas a boy is told to man up, and um, he's like, "Don't be a pussy." Yeah, yeah. Maybe not in Sweden so much because we are so in touch no with emotions. but still a bit mm. and then
0: we have all the i mean a lot of emotions are of course connected to uh, hormones as well and we have like different kinds of emotions depending on how much we have of the each of the ho- hormones you know mm. testosterone is more aggressive and uh, estrogen is more other things you know mm. uh so you i that's interesting you know t- to say that m- Boys or men aren't emotional. Well, usually there's one that comes out a lot, and it's anger. You know,
1: that's very true. Yeah. Oh my god! Can you imagine a, a like an android mm-hmm. with testosterone?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. That's, that's like that, a that, war robot. It's dangerous. In. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and if we combine those two, that okay, we have more testosterone, so we're more prone to be aggressive. And that's one of the few that are allowed in society as well, for a guy to be, oh, well, you you can be angry, but you can't be sad. So, mm. so you just double up on the anger and the, yeah, you know, the yeah, orcishness. Yeah, we have so much work to do. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: But the cyborg is a very interesting, I think, uh, aspect to look at because it, uh, it helps us understand humanity more and our emotions mm-hmm. and our behaviors. mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm really inspired by the site. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I'm really really interested in uh, neuroscience as well and stuff like that. And uh, uh, this whole idea of artificial intelligence, like what is an emotion? Like if we copy ourselves completely, are those emotions real? What is like now there's a discussion? What is consciousness? And because we don't know what that is yet. If we were to copy our brains onto a hard drive, would, that would still probably still wouldn't be a, a conscious mind. It would just be information. Mm. So, what is you know? Some neuroscientists are discussing about uh, things about. They're not talking about like religious things, like, like soul or stuff like that, but what that could mean in a scientific uh, uh, context. Like, if do we need to have a biological body to actually have emotions c- combining with our with our brains? And I guess that's probably true in a way because they get so, I mean, our brains are so affected by what happens to our bodies and what we feel and all those chemical uh, happenings that goes on in our bodies, that they affect the brain and the other way around. And it's, I, I love the fact that we can, we can do so much with our bodies, just with our minds. That the placebo effect and the nocebo effect are so powerful that they can be more powerful than medication itself. You know, it's uh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And as soon as we're aware of that and can use it, then hey. Yeah. Exactly.
1: And I'm I'm uh, exploring VR at the moment. Oh yeah. yeah. That's another mm-hmm. aspect of like humans going into the cyborg world.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Can we <laughs> can we ever get VR that is like the Matrix level and be instead of life? Yeah, who knows? And if we get to that, I mean, I mean, I've been asking myself that a lot actually. If we get to that, will I actually just go into that and live there? Because it would be a my world, and I would love it there. You know.
1: We should write a script together. But yeah, maybe. <laughs>
0: Are these like th- thoughts you have yourself?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, uh, I have a feature in development, but I'm really bad at writing at the moment. Like not bad at writing, but I'm bad at finding time and interest to sit down and to find the lust to write. You the know, motivation. Yeah, yeah the yeah. motivation mm. is such a good word in Swedish to have lust at skriva, like mm, to mm, lust mm. at nothing. Sorry, it's the same word as lust.
0: We don't only use lust as a sexual lust. We mm. we use it as a you know want uh, motivation for anything.
1: Yeah, and for me, lust it makes for sense. life. <laughs> yeah, lust for life exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I for me, it's like the creative side is so much more enriching for me mm. to feel creative and to think about creative thoughts and political thoughts that's such a bigger want for me than who am i gonna fuck tonight is friday you know yeah. that's like very low priority for me
0: okay so it's just, i guess
1: it's just different lusts
0: yeah exactly and you are probably then rearranging uh your priorities you know to to most people you know first of all i need Food I need and then I need roof over my head, and then i need b- before you know you can't have no f- no food be homeless uh have nobody around you and make uh, of course you can make art but it's not really a priority to start like painting <laughs> the the walls of your whatever you know the alley you live in you know
1: mm. i mean my my life situation right now is crazy in terms of economics and uh, mm. <laughs> and um that I, I live in a living room in a collective, mm-hmm. and um, I get by from working in a cinema. Like,
2: mm.
1: like I have like three shifts a month. Sometimes up to like yeah, I take extra. Sometimes you know, mm-hmm. but it's like I work very little for money mm. and a lot uh, unpaid as mm. an artist. Mm.
0: Um, as being an artist, it sounds really artistic to be sleeping on a couch in a collective and doing some. Uh, it's not the it's night, not night yeah jumps. I used
1: to have a room but now we're because we're like a solidarity um what's um we are uh, like a, well we're a collective and we let like, we only have a few rooms mm. so we take turns and we rotate the rooms. Oh, so I'm in the living room. Oh, okay, I've been there for okay. a year and I'm pretty happy.
0: Everybody pays the same or something like that? Yeah. Right? Okay. Very okay. solidaric. Uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: Solidaric is that word? Solid solidarist. What the hell? What the hell? <laughs> exactly. Is that not an English word for solida- soli-
0: solidarity? We have solidarity. solidarity. Um, but to
1: be solidaric?
0: No, nah. No, that's not a word. <laughs> oh that's my
1: God, it's very hard to be solidaric in English. Yeah. Anyway, we'll look it up. I, I must Google. <laughs> Google is your best friend. But you know, you should go on Ecosia instead. Because then you plant a tree for every search you do.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. That's good. And does it work as well? Does it, you know, use the same ranges? Yeah. I get good hits. Hi. Okay. What? Uh, you were right. It's actually in the Merriam-Webster dictionary. Solidaric. Having Yay. solidarity. Just haven't heard it.
1: Oh, thank you, London 10 years.
0: Yeah, yeah, Waste yeah. my time totally. <laughs> Somebody said it to you sometime.
1: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And for and me, yes, it's like, I, was...
0: pr- I guess nobody have ever said it in any movie, TV show, song, or anything I've ever, you know.
1: We're because never that's had. where I get all my
0: information. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's crazy. We, nev- we have to make a a film or a song or a pod called Sol- Solidaric. <laughs> to it's reclaim like, the word. Yeah, exactly. It exists, people. <laughs> exactly. It's like one Google hit, mm, <laughs> except for the dictionary.
0: <laughs> mm.
1: No, we were saying, yeah, the rooms and the situation of changing the rooms. And um, yes, I did an experiment this summer where I tried to... Um, Get onto the employment, unemployment uh, insurance thing here in Sweden sure. called Arkessa, mm. and uh, I totally fell through the cracks because my situation is not really allowed. Mm. It doesn't qualify to no. anything. Yeah. like uh, because I have a company in London, and automatically, like if you have a company, then you don't qualify. Mm. Um, and I'm like, well, I make like I I make enough money that is spent on one shopping like food shopping Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> like you know yeah. there's nothing um, but they didn't care about how much money even though I had to send them all the papers and shit mm. like it was like totally Ken Loach mm. all over again
0: mm. yeah 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 yeah.
1: and um, my case handler was like saying to me no but you you, you can't have a company as a secondary, oh, yeah. secondary yeah, uh, yeah. hobby mm. as a hobby you can't have mm. the company as a hobby unless you work full time yeah and i'm like well i don't work full-time another pr- an another, <laughs> another
0: privilege like you you have to have this to have this yeah I and mean, you're not allowed if you're a poor person exactly. to do this oh yeah. uh, we keep coming back to this in this podcast mm-hmm. about the the dark side of having a structured socialist society that we have so much bureaucracy that is you know it's Hard to get a job. It's also you know hard to lose the job, and it's hard to leave the job even, and uh, and then all this stuff. You know, it's it, we have such a great social uh, security network in this country, but it's also easy to fall between the cracks because mm-hmm. it's so much bureaucracy and so many rules in, involved. Yeah, in it. and you yeah. So it's you know ups and downs because if you were in, let's say. The States, and you could probably get a job working a couple of hours a night doing dishes in a diner or something like that. You can just walk in. Can I be a dishwasher here? Yeah, let's try it. And then you would get paid once a week and and if you were fired, you have to leave then and there, but you would probably get paid for those hours. And you can't do that in Sweden because mm-hmm. it would be so much paperwork and it would, they would have to pay, pay a lot of fees and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, yeah. But then again, the social security ain't that great in those countries, but we have that if you can get on it. Yeah. I've been very lucky with that, actually. Uh, after, you know, knock on wood uh, throughout the years. Yeah. Mm.
1: But it's really interesting when you try to live an alternative life form because you don't want to go into the full time job and to get the the housing, like to to buy to buy property basically Mm. or to buy a car. If you if you go against all of that, all of those norms that you're expected to have by the age of thirty five and you're like, No, I'd rather stay in a sofa in a living room Mm. then people go like, What? Mm. But you don't fit in. Like you can't do that, but if you have like if you want to have a different life than everyone else, then uh, I mean, I know so many artists who are uh, actually making a living off prostitution, just to get those like easy jobs where it's like in and out, literally, Mm. yeah. And you
0: do something illegal,
1: (laughs) yeah, (laughs) Yeah. exactly. And what kind of society is that where it's like you have to be do work illegally or like yeah, like pay
0: or work without paying taxes? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how do you? um, I mean fit in i mean you want to be an artist and when you do live that kind of life you fit into uh, the artist life so it depends on i i guess maybe some of your family members don't think you fit into society but you do f- fit into your society yeah That's and especially
1: the bridge between being an artist and being an activist yeah yeah. yeah because sure. my, my collective is super activist and they are You got to live what you
0: teach yeah, which, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: and they they are involved in like several organizations uh they are connected to food banks and stuff mm. so they get the leftovers mm. from the food banks so we can we don't have to spend so much money on food mm. Mm. so we are you know we get by quite well mm. you know but on very little mm. but then when you in touch with the bureaucratic systems in Sweden it's extremely hard to like to they like they look at you like you're an alien
0: mm.
1: yeah. and i'm like well where's the understanding for variety and i don't
0: know no not in sweden really no not yet anyway yeah we gotta flex that a little bit Mm -hmm. um what do you think from a creative standpoint about yeah about what we were talking about like uh, all the social security networks and all that stuff i mean it's very of course helpful and it's helpful for an artist as well like if You can't get a job uh, doing what you're trying to do, then you may have some money because you you live in a country that's where that's possible. But I've been thinking about when I see a lot of my friends and colleagues and stuff from other countries, and like if I were to be an actor in, let's say, Los Angeles, like the mecca where all actors just pool (laughs) and go, then I would, you know, probably have to work in a restaurant to be wait wait to tables and uh, during the day go to uh, auditions and stuff like that And uh, but I think that would also keep you going, I think uh, Americans or people who live there, they get motivated a little bit by well I do have to get up and I have to go to that thing and then I have to go to to work you so see you get your you know your engine is is going and you you live life and you're out there and you get experiences and stuff like that
1: I think we're so lucky to be in Sweden because we have so many opportunities here mm. um but I do I do also miss that desperate the, desper-
0: the desperation, the yeah, desperation, yeah. yeah. I think that's what I was getting at.
1: Yeah, you know, I was I was in Greece as well, in Athens, mm. and I did a performance at uh, uh, Athens Museum of Queer Arts.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like a like a really cool initiative, really cool place, really cool people, and all fucking desperate because they're like our country is going to bits because fascism is crazy yeah, yeah. and the econo- econ economics as well. Mm. And then we have this yeah, their issue. Their money's on fire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they're like, we are so determined to make a change. Mm. And here we're like, yeah, I don't like the smell of this coffee. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> is that your biggest crisis in life that you don't like the smell of the coffee?
0: The soy milk is like, it's splitting up in my coffee. Yeah. So I don't like that.
1: <laughs> so we're so spoiled. And we have mm. to be aware of the fact that we're so spoiled. And we have to make uh use of the fact that we are spoiled Mm. and make a difference in some way because we can't just be like pretentious princesses sitting here like oh my god
2: Mm.
0: yeah
1: it wasn't much of a fiery speech and much of a um but um (laughs) (laughs) that's all that's all we have you know
0: (laughs) we haven't learned how to be fiery yeah uh, okay we lost in the
1: (laughs) the 70s Uh, Yeah, maybe. (laughs) That's the last fire Sweden saw. We haven't had any fires since then.
0: Yeah, and then I was born. (laughs) (laughs) Seventy-seven, (laughs) represent.
1: Yeah, but oh, it's crazy. Hmm.
0: But uh, what was your experience in uh, in Greece? Counter to Japan, did you see like a difference between the? the, um, the spectators, the, the, your audience?
1: I mean, I was hanging out in queer circles in Athens. Mm. And they are obviously more radical because they are unaccepted That's and right. not tolerated. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, in Japan, I was only hanging out in art... Because I was also in the art residency at the 3331 Shijoda
2: mm-hmm.
1: place. So they... Uh, you know, it was more like a contemporary art scene, very fancy and very white and white walls and very. I mean, it was a good um, community space, so they were in touch with the community. But because they were in the center of center of Tokyo, it was very much like. I mean, I didn't see any suburbs. I didn't see any poverty. I didn't see any like minority groups. Mm-hmm. I only saw like the the city central. So it was more, much more of a privileged clientele. Even the artists I felt were more like privileged. Uh-huh, Me included. Okay. I was there as a Swede. You know, I was, mm. you know, I paid for it myself to go there and to pay a really high fee f- to to be there. But I felt like it was an an investment I wanted to make. Mm-hmm. And and what's so interesting right now is that I'm I want to go further. I want to I want to go out of my comfort zones, and not go to places where my um, where my sexuality is looked upon as a curiosity thing. It's like oh, asexuality was that. Mm. Um, basically, what I'm saying is that um, I want to go places where uh, queers are actually um, marginalized and uh, and um, prosecuted. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I think as an asexual in Sweden. I have to take my privilege seriously, seriously, yeah, seriously, and um, and uh, use the asexuality as maybe a bridge mm-hmm. to go to places that don't accept some homosexual homosexual activities mm-hmm. where it's like mm. illegal to be a homosexual.
0: Yeah, but it can't I, be illegal to be asexual. Exactly, that's oh. what I'm
1: thinking. So I can actually go there and and share some queer thoughts to a population where it's like totally unheard of. Yeah. So that is my goal. I want to go anywhere I can and I have the funds for. Mm. So to
0: provoke my... and uh, yeah, well, at shock a least Inspire thoughts and show that yeah. queers
1: aren't strange. Like we're, we're, we're kind of weird, but mm. we're, but do you we're think, just like um, anyone else.
0: Do you think it would be hard to be invited to uh, like festivals and stuff like that with your because uh, you've got to be upfront about what you're doing. So how will you get into places that would probably be like, nope, too weird for us, this is going to be, you know.
1: Yeah, I have, I'm actually trying that because I'm applying for the second time to a Russian art, art residency. Yeah, okay. That and be, first yeah. time was more like, yeah, feminist, la la la. Now it's more like the, the queer and the asexuality mm-hmm. angle.
2: Mm.
1: And the first time I was shortlisted,
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. So
1: this time I'm gonna see if I'm shortlisted or even accepted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That could be interesting.
3: Mm.
1: But I mean, I don't even know what could happen in Russia. You mm. know, I don't uh-huh. even know what uh, how much how far can you go without being arrested or. Mm.
0: Um, Which is some, I guess, Middle Eastern countries. Uh, exactly.
1: Yeah. Oh, I found such an inspiring woman today on uh, Facebook. Obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and she was saying like yeah i'm a comedian i was born and raised in uh, in america but um i am i have this uh, cp um like diagnosis mm-hmm. i guess and um i was born to a pakistani family i'm muslim and i've been going into comics like comedian as a stand-up comedian mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because that's the only way minority groups get accepted into the commercial world. Like looked at... Oh, yeah. And she had looked mm. at Whoopi Goldberg, Ellen, and those kind of people. Yeah. So um, she was actually performing in Arab countries in the mm. Middle East. Mm. Uh, unveiled and uncensored, she said. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. There are loopholes for people they will yeah. accept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping that my asexuality is a way in. mm just to like be like, we're here, we're not that dangerous. Mm. you know.
0: And I guess it's easier as well, uh, since you're doing uh, an art form, so you're going to be in art galleries, you're going to be in art type of festivals. So the problem there, I guess, is that the audience that will show up is already open to that kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Kind of hard to break through to the masses exactly. with this kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I did actually do one... I met one person through one of my London contacts uh-huh. who I met in London one time, but she came from Japan and she was a butoh dancer.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Okay. So I was like, Kai, are you in Tokyo by any chance? And she said, No, but my friend Daisuku is. So mm. you can contact them. Mm. I'm like, All right, no, I will do that. And Daisuke became, like, my best friend ever and my biggest collaborator and my manager and my bag lady and my costume designer. Photographer. Photographer. Yeah, did I say that?
0: No, it just says everywhere, I (laughs) think, photographs of you (laughs) is his name.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So it's crazy. Uh, So we actually, yeah, made this performance together, which is more like a street performance. So I walked around the the streets of Tokyo Mm. wearing this... uh, dress that he made, and uh, I'm chained in my feet, Mm -hmm. so when I'm walking, I'm walking really slow like a chained elephant, Right. and I hold a sign saying, be ace, asexual rebel.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that uh, expression, ace?
1: Ace is just a a nickname for asexuals. Okay. So it's like aces.
0: But the asexual spectrum, so uh, it means a lot of, not just asexual, but other... Demi, I guess. And yeah, and
1: aromantic, and there's also gray sexual, which is like somewhere <laughs> even closer between demi, um, between demi and sexual, because gray can sometimes get sexual attraction or get the feelings of being sexually attracted to anyone without any sort of that thing of like you have to have an emotional emotional bond with that person. They can just suddenly, O M G, Angelina Jolie, I met her and I'm fucking. Excited!
0: I want to get up in that. Okay. Yeah. yeah exactly. So maybe huh.
1: sometimes. Um, <laughs> That's
0: a very specific one. Yeah. I mean, but it not sounds just boring.
1: Jolie, <laughs> uh,
0: no. 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 Exactly.
1: <laughs> it's not just. It's not like a, it has to be her. <laughs>
0: great sexual. You can only be sexually attracted to Angelina Jolie. <laughs> okay. Very specific sexuality. Yeah. But
1: I'm, I'm sure there are like at least Antisexual. five people in the world.
0: Yeah, all right. Wow gray sexual sounds so boring as well uh, I'm, I'm, I'm gray sexual it's I know. it's not that it's not that exciting <laughs> so. they kind of lump
1: them together demisexual and gray sexual and i I don't even care to explore if I'm gray sexual because I'm like it like you say I don't like the word <laughs> I don't like the word uh-huh. mm. I mean I, I, I guess it. you
0: just find out when uh, things happen yeah like oh I guess you know. exactly and I mean mm.
1: To be honest, uh, when I've been dissecting my past, like sex life, mm-hmm. my his- sex sexual history, mm-hmm. I've been thinking about um, what drove me to be attracted to this person. And I've, I mean, I have had one night stands. Maybe I wasn't attracted. I did it because I wanted something else, maybe, or I wanted to feel validated, or mm-hmm. I wanted to feel something. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something I explore quite a lot, like the the reason behind wanting the sex, mm. like what is it that drives us? Is it the sex drive itself, or is it other drives?
0: It's got to be a like physical, biological um, match as well. I mean, yeah. like a like a ordinary straight heterosexual person mm-hmm. that that you know, I have to meet somebody to know if I you know if we go back to Tinder. Mm. If I have go to a, uh, on a Tinder date and mm. I have seen pictures like that, make me feel oh, maybe. Then mm-hmm. it, the second I meet them, I'm like no, because mm. you know the pheromones aren't there or whatever you mm. know. Yeah. Or I can just no. Now I see you in in the flesh. It's not doing it for me.
2: Mm-hmm. You know?
0: Yeah. But I can look at the pictures and be like, yeah, that's kind of that's pretty much the same person, I guess. But you know,
1: yeah. Mm. I mean, I can when I have been like interested in people and I have followed through with a sexual activity Then I, I always had to like make up like some, uh, like almost like fantasize about something romantic, like to be like, Mm. um, I mean, to, to create or fantasize a bond in my mind that we have a bond. It's not just me wanting you and you wanting me, we actually have a bond. Mm. And I know that can be a total fabrication. And I don't know, like, who knows what the other person is thinking, really. Yeah, yeah, Like, sure. when you have a, a bond with someone, mm. you never know if that bond is real or whatever. Mm. Um, but if I can convince myself that we have a bond, mm. then I can also convince myself that I can be attracted to you, which mm. is crazy. Like, but I can I can trick myself like that.
0: Okay, yeah. Uh, and, the, and the bond, of course, is, like, first friendship, then romantic I guess that's what I would call a bond, Mm. you know, the the romantic part of it. So, yeah. So, I guess people who are romantics, like pan romantic or uh, like uh, homo romantic or whatever, they get just that bond, but then they don't get the physical attraction on top of it.
1: Yeah, unless they're also demisexual. Yeah. Or they might be asexual. Or they might, I mean, you can be, even in the, the ace community. We're even open to, like, people saying, oh, I'm pan-romantic, but I'm mm. only homosexual.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, sure. like,
1: that, they are two, they're two very different things. Yeah, 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 sure. And especially with, like, in poly circles, it's very good to, like, be very clear about what you want with, uh, what's your expectation of this relationship. Mm. Do you want it to be just platonic and romantic, mm. or do you want it to be more sexual Oh, my God, it was really hard for me to date people who were, like, into poly, amorous relationships. Yeah, yeah. I've been in one of those. Yeah, Mm. yeah. But because I felt like when I was on dates like that, they wanted more, like, a a, a sexual capital, Mm -hmm. like, in me. Like, I wanted another person to bang, basically. And I was like, I want an emotional connection. Like... OMG! We already full up with that. We have emotional damage or emotional yes. baggage I already. I already have one. You know. Yeah, yeah, we already. I have. I have three. Like I can't deal with one. Mm. Mo- one more emotional being in my life. But I guess
0: most polyamorous people are actually having romantic feelings towards the the third or fourth person as well. I would hope so. Yeah, I, I think that's the mo- most common one. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, it's just a yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, you're still poly, uh, amorous, I guess. But uh, I guess you have to define the word amorous. (laughs) Yeah. Is that sexual? Can it be sexual only? Or is it romanticism involved in that word? Yeah. Uh, I was thinking, like, I I guess, I mean, I think it's really important for people to do what you did, like dissect their own sexuality. Because I guess there's a lot of straight people who would identify themselves as just straight people who are uh, heterosexual but panromantic mm. because you know the, the phrase bromance come on there's just two friends but they're so in in tune and they're basically romantic but th- since they don't want to fuck each other we're just friends but maybe you are romantically involved even though you don't have sexual feelings you know mm. so is that a thing <laughs> yeah For, yeah
1: and yeah, as far as I've seen, the ace community is very welcoming to anyone who's like curious about these thoughts. Mm, and like mm. we have a lot of allies being just curious, but also people being coming from a heterosexual background and being like, oh my God, is is this actual, are you saying something that I've, I've always been thinking mm. uh, and having had a, um, have, have struggled with in my entire like adult sex life? you know to understand about myself so yeah and I mean there are obviously debates about who's the real asexual Um, you know (laughs) if you if you have never had sex it's it's just like you know kind of you know friendly or slash bullshit aggressive thing that goes on in the as I say lesbian community Mm. when they're like you know you have the, the best hierarchy you can have as a lesbian woman is that you've only ever slept with women. Yeah. Uh, if it's you've slept with a man, then it's like, oh, no, you're, yeah. you're a bit st- one step down in the hierarchy. Yeah. And I, I, get,
0: I get that. Like, because why did you do that? Did you have any, did you want to? Or no? Mm-hmm. It's like, <laughs> what was it? It actually came up on Will and Grace, uh, like a couple of episodes ago, to be a, a gold gay or a platinum gay.
2: Oh. And that's,
0: it's, it was really funny. A gold gay is somebody who never had sex with a woman, a platinum gay is somebody who was delivered by C-section so they never touched a vagina <laughs> <laughs> amazing yeah <laughs> um, is, isn't it would you say it's like the, the ultimate goal in all you know this uh, identifying different kind of sexualities to then sometime in the future just drop all the the labels to because okay, now we know that you can be anything. So let's not call anybody anything at all. Just you are whatever you are. And I, I know some people who just think this silly to just talk about uh, for different reasons. I mean, I I know like older, more conservative people be like, oh, everybody's different. So whatever, what even, why even talk about it? Like,
1: I mean, I I do think that the identities. And the labels are very much connected to the individualist era of our contemporary days. Mm. And I do believe that they will, it will change at some point where we don't care anymore. We'll be open to differences and it will be like, oh, okay, right. Mm. Um, I mean, in, the labels can be useful for some people to explain what they want and what they need. Yeah, sure. Um
0: or what they want don't want and Yeah, like.
1: exactly. Like when on when you meet someone on Tinder and they'll be like, Oh well I'm I'm uh, whatever their preference yeah. are. Just so like,
0: you know I'm asexual. Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: Mm. But I'm super romantic. They're like, mm. Oh okay. Um so then they can then they understand. It just in those two words there's a lot of information there. Hmm. But maybe in the future if we just live in a virtual reality, then maybe then we won't need to have all these labels. Because you can just present yourself with whatever kind of information you want to present yourself with, mm. maybe it will pop up. So I don't know. Maybe we don't need it in the future at all. Mm. Um, but for the time being, I think it's quite useful. Um, but yeah, I, it's hard to speculate in.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. I, it was I it was an unfair question, just because <laughs> yeah. it's so hard to. Uh, you probably would need, like, professors in in and the I, area to discuss this or something.
2: Yeah.
0: Just get back to uh, uh, the creative side of everything. I guess you know a lot of people who are in the performance art business and uh, being video uh, video performers, video artists, and uh, stuff like that. How many do you know who actually make a living doing that?
1: Oh, I mean, um, to make a living... Um... I don't know too many to be honest. Uh I mean they sometimes get grants. i I know a few people mm. living off their art but not no, not hundred percent. No. But in a way they're still alive, so they are making a living somehow. <laughs> yeah, but um, <laughs> I guess financially making a living, not through the art.
0: No, that's what that's what I mean. Like it, yeah. uh it's rare to have guests on this show to, who actually <laughs> live on what they do. A, a, a few, a few do, but yeah. and uh, we do make money from the what we do in spurts. But yeah, I guess grants is the number one thing if you do that kind of art, uh, yeah. and uh, because it's not really a kind of performance where people pay tickets to come see uh, and not yet. No, exactly not so, yet. No, yeah, and you don't do the kind of films that uh, put. Uh, like uh, asses in seats, especially now cool. since you do them in conjunction or show them in conjunction with your performance. Yeah, let's have like a, a closing statement on uh, how how to how to be a performance artist.
1: Um, lose all your um, um, materialistic things, pretty much. Mm. Keep your work things like camera, uh, computers, hard drives, um, but scale down. A lot. Mm. Uh, sleeping a, sleep in a sofa in a collective. That could mm. work.
0: Focus all your resources on your art, basically. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Get a flexible job so you can take time off if you need to. And mm. don't work too much. Because that's going to have impact on your energy levels for creating art with. Mm. And, yeah. And to be honest, the energy <laughs> levels is quite funny as well. Because when I'm... You know, when I haven't been very sexually active, I've been so I have had so much energy to make art instead. So oh, that's a, that's a bit of a trick for huh. me, okay. tip and trick mm. from my side. Um, yeah, that's when I'm most productive because I put my time and energy into something that is lasting rather than you know, but also I'm not so interested in like cooking either. I just want to have some a quick mm. something like cheap and easy. <laughs> mm, yeah. um, it goes for my sex life, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. There's the pun gene. Yeah, uh,
0: the yeah. pun gene, yeah.
1: No, but, uh, yeah. Just to, yeah, make, do whatever works for you, but whatever inspires you and doesn't drain you. Mm. That's mm. my biggest tip.
0: So how can we, uh, everybody around the world, where can we find you, uh, on, like, on social media and stuff like that? And
1: uh, Well, I'm semi-emmy on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Happy Endings is my company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I do have a website, but I have to update it. Um it's called happy mm-hmm. because it's English.
0: And I guess you can uh contact you to uh, like hire you to to do your performance. Yeah, uh, definitely. Like, like anywhere.
1: <laughs> I'm totally for sale. Yeah. Such a slot, yeah. But I'm expensive. Uh oh, mm. I'm pretty cheap as well. Mm-hmm. For a good cause, I'm cheap. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, that's me, I guess.
0: Mm. Anything new you're working on that we sh- should uh, keep our eyes open for?
1: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm going further into the glitch art scene mm. because I find glitch to be such a really good metaphor for queerness and yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. something broken.
0: Glitch in the system.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And asexuals are a massive glitch in our sexual culture. Mm. And uh, we are kind of um, rocking the boat in terms of what is meant to, how we are meant to think about each other. Mm. And yeah, so glitch is a really good way to explore it. Yeah, they explore
0: that idea in in Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah? Remember that. Yeah, yeah. One of the characters is a glitch in the in the game, Ooh. and she's kind of different, you know. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a
1: game. Yeah. I don't game too much. But. No,
0: it's a it's a movie about games. Ah, oh, nice. Yeah, characters in, in <laughs> video like games. movies. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Cool. I'll I'll write that down.
0: All right. Thanks for coming and talking about very interesting stuff.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> hope I lifted some new thoughts and some lifted a box on something. Mm,
0: and some spirits.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, some spirit Blah, blah, blah. Good night. <laughs> Bye. I'm done.
0: <laughs> okay, that was maybe a little bit less about the creative process and business than usual, but very interesting nonetheless, I hope you found. Welcome back to the next episode of Inglorious Artists in two weeks' time. Until then, maybe try to dissect your sexual past.